Anyang Haseo, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the Hallyu wave all the way to shore? So grab some tech bokeh and listen to your new favorite unis. Hey, Megan. Hi, it's just us again today. No, Leah. Leah is in the mountains. And she's been posting drool-worthy Instagram photos. I'm like, how is that a real place? I know, she's so pretty. Right? She's like on a lake, and then there's just like these like picturesque calendar-looking mountains in the background. I know. (laughs) Like, what the heck? Like, I'm here in the suburbs. (laughs) I know. I'm like, well, I'm just staring outside my front door at the construction across the street so i got nothing pretty to show anybody (laughs) because we are both on deadline oh i know i'm looking at us both on squadcast right now and we like both have our hair pulled back like ponytails i got i got the ponytail and the headband i am like granted i worked out before i did this but like so i'm not showered but nobody can smell me but i'm just like trying to squeeze everything into my last days of summer because i'm on deadline for september 1st to turn in a book to my editor. And I only have literally count them on one hand, like days left before I have to go back. Right. I was like, as a teacher librarian, September 1st is a terrible deadline for you. It's the worst. (laughs) And of course, like, I don't know if you're like me, but I try to pace myself and I use this great tool online called Pacemaker. Yeah. I I think, I wonder if you even like turned me onto it. I don't even know. I might have because I I, I did use it for a while and I should. It's only the only reason I don't use it now is because I'm lazy. I should use it. (laughs) I have to use it because it is my go to when I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to fit in writing today. What happens if I do zero and then I plug in zero and it tells me how much more I have to write every day until then? So just to give you an idea, is I now have to write double each day compared to like the beginning of my drafting process for this book when I was like writing, I'd given myself plenty of time and I had less than, you know, less than a thousand words to write a day. But then we were remote and then we went back into the building full time on April 7th. And I, I mean, as an educator, like during this pandemic, I will just say that it was both emotionally and physically exhausting. And I just put the book on hold because I'm like, I can't. I can't touch this until summer starts. I don't blame you. And so I basically, I gave myself that emotional health that I needed, except now I'm going bonkers trying to finish this book. I will finish it on time in case anybody connected to my writing world is listening. I am on target to finish on time and given a nice polished piece of work, (laughs) but it's, it's going to be, it's going to be stressful until I get there. And I'm going to look like this a lot of the days. You're like, if my editor is listening, it will be done. (laughs) I don't think she I don't think she is because I don't think we share the K-drama love, which is fine. But yeah. just in case I got to put it out there, I'm going to deliver. Right now I've been publishing, self-publishing. So I, I write indie, so I set my own deadlines, but my deadlines are pretty strict because I publish very frequently. And I always think I left myself plenty of time. Like I totally did. And then all of a sudden it's like, what happened? Like, where did the time go? And I'm looking at my deadline like, are you kidding me? And I do line up my editors. I mean, it, they're editors. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, so. not, you're not just accountable to yourself. You are accountable to other people, even though you're self-publishing. Like, people should know that, that it's not like you can Ugh. just be like, Megan, give yourself a break. Like, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, not really. It's like a, t- it's like a team thing. Plus, I, I mean, you get into the nitty gritty, you know, you when you put pre-orders up on Amazon, you can't move them back very often. And then readers are expecting your next book. And I I mean, it's the worst to disappoint them by moving back release day. So I don't want to do that. So I'll have it done. I mean, I did okay today. And I really enjoy this book. I think I mentioned, oh, I mentioned, I think in the Flower of Evil podcast, that I was starting a book where my heroine has amnesia. Yes. And that's what I'm writing right now. It's so great. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Because it's actually really fun because she keeps getting like snippets of her memory. When I start writing, I don't necessarily have the entire plot idea. Like I often will write the first couple chapters and I'm still sort of like still sort of getting to know my characters and all that. And I'm having fun because I just thought I was like in the car today and I was like, I know it. I'm going to have like sense jog her memory. And although if anyone's... It's not really a spoiler if you like read my book, so it's okay. But I think I'm going to have her be like a candle maker in her like previous life on Earth. And so sense remind her then. So she starts to like 
scent things and they start to bring back memories. Ooh, I like and, yeah, that. So, yeah, I'm having a good time with it. So that's what I was working on today. So it'll be okay. I'll get it done. I mean, we're taking a short trip as a family the beginning of next week. So that's the only... I always plan things at stupid times. I always do a little like trip to the city with my oh, kids yeah. right before school starts. I live in, I live outside Chicago, but we've already done a couple trips to the city where we just train down and walk around and do like we went to some museums and come home. And I'm bummed because the last like big trip that I took with them and it was like the first big trip I ever took with them was in 2019 when, you know, things were right. not I know. as cray cray as they are now. We went to New York City and I showed them to their first Broadway show. We went on like a superhero walking tour like, and they loved New York City and I love New York City. That was it. That was the last thing we did. We haven't been on a plane. We haven't gone anywhere. And so we're doing a staycation. Like I, my daughter and I were up until like two in the morning last night, like researching hotels in Chicago that have indoor pools and jacuzzis because I need to be myself in. Oh, that's so fun. And then I waited until this morning because I'm like, I'm not booking something at two in the morning when I'm deliriously tired. And I called the hotel this morning and I was like, is your pool open? Mm-hmm. Because they're like, COVID restrictions could change. What's available? And I'm like, is your pool open? She said, yes. I'm like, do you have to make a reservation? She's like, no, for the pool. So I was like, all right, we booked it. It's a four-star hotel. So we're staying like a fancy schmancy place and like right in the Magnificent Mile. And yeah, we're going to do all sorts of fun stuff like for two days in the city. And I'm so excited. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I'm so glad. Then you get to do something yeah. fun before school starts. And then it's just madness until May. Yes. yes. But those are two days that I'm like, I don't think I can write those two days. So I know. I know. I'd, I did kind of plan the days that I'm going into my schedule. But it's like, then we come back and my kids go to school. It's crazy. So, so speaking of writing... <laughs> Like this whole podcast came about because Leah and Megan and I are all writers and we fell in love with K-dramas by looking at it through the writer's lens. You know, that is like sort of the tagline of our podcast, but it's true. The reason why we love K-drama so much is because the writers know how to write. Mm-hmm. 100%. And we totally get mm-hmm. that. And in the writer's writing, we have been noticing some things as we get further and further into our list of dramas. And that's kind of where we're at today. So Megan, I'll let you take it away to sort of intro this and then we can get to it. All right. We have discussed the phenomenon of the 11th episode of K-Dramas a few times on this podcast, more than a few. And so today we decided to explain a little more why we believe it is a thing, thing in italics. So first, (laughs) (laughs) it is. So first, we want to explain story structure a little bit. We'll try not to be too nerdy, boring author about it. But we often mention beats of a story. And that describes the pivotal shifts of a story. So Save the Cat is a novel by Blake Snyder. And he lays out what he calls the beats needed for a screenplay, which is essentially a template that is recognizable to all of us even you, listener, even if you don't realize it. So the protagonist has a goal, encounters a conflict to reach that goal, and must overcome it. I mean, that's something that should be recognizable to anyone that watches any sort of movie, TV show, or whatever. That's a very simplified version, and Blake Snyder goes into much more detail on how to flesh out your idea. And also, there's a lot of Save the Cat books. Again, I'm looking on my shelf. I have Save the Cat Strikes Back. I have Save the Cat Writes a Novel. I mean, there's a lot of them. And it- the novel is like the newest one, right? Mm-hmm. But the novel was written by somebody yes. else because... Brody. So that we talk about this idea of plotting or pantsing. And plotting meaning you plot your book out with like a short synopsis and then you write it. And pantsing is just flying by the seat of your pants. And my first novel... I flew by the seat of my ever-loving pants, and you can see it in the structure of the story. Like, I'm very proud of that first book. It's called If Only, if anybody wants to read it. It is but very it's, good. Don't, don't judge my writing by that <laughs> book, because good Lord, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, I want to write a book, mm-hmm. you know, and I just kind of barfed it all out. Mm-hmm. I've been there. <laughs> and I had great editors for that book, and so I'm not, like, faulting my my editors, but, like, that was me as a baby writer. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know about Save the Cat. And then somebody told me about Save the Cat. And I bought the book and I wrote my next book with a Save the Cat beat sheet. And I was like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Because I didn't understand what the beats of the story were until I read about these 15 beats. Like you can just Google it and you can find, you know, beat sheet examples. And there's, you know, some website stuff that will show you the beats of a movie that you know, and how it fits in all the Save the Cat beats. And then you will never be able to watch a movie the same again Mm-mm. because I will 
watch a movie and I'll be like, oh, this is the catalyst. This is the B story. This is the black moment, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And I see that everywhere now. And, but I love it. Like that's, that is nerdy author stuff that I love. Yeah. I, I mean, it's the same. I watch movies now and I point out the beats and I'm sure it's very annoying to my husband, but I have to do it. It's like my writer brain. And I also have a book called Romancing the Beat and that's by Gwen Hayes. And I have it too. Oh, it's so, <laughs> I, I fully believe that if you are a romance writer, or you just love romance books, it is a perfect, it is the book you should have in your repertoire because it fully lays out how to write a romance. But basically, again, it has to deal with the pacing of your story, that you're continually driving the plot forward. There isn't, you know, weird filler scenes that don't do anything because that's going to be boring. Every scene should have some sort of tension or conflict even you know an office rom-com it's going to have a tension or conflict that drives the plot forward and that's what beats help with so we explain all this to say that we have noticed a lot of very pivotal beats happen in the 11th episode of many k-dramas now of course something important happens in every episode but there is something about episode 11 that seems to include a monumental shift in the plot a character motivation or a romantic feeling and frankly sometimes it's just a massively epic scene that seems to take up a bulk of the drama drama's budget i'm looking at you the king eternal monarch (laughs) (laughs) i will talk about this scene until my dying breath and i will talk about it today so you've all been warned Don't believe us? It's okay, because we're going to get into all the episode 11 goodness of our favorite dramas today. Obviously, spoilers abound, but we will try to give you a heads up about any significant ones. So first, we'll state the drama that we're going to talk about. And then I think in the show notes, we're going to put some more timestamps to help you guys out, because obviously, we have to talk about the 11th episode, but it's important and can be spoilery. So we'll do the best we can. So Megan just said that timestamp thing out loud, so you all have to hold her to it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, don't do it. You can come yell at me on social media. So before we get into it, we want to remind you of all the places you can find us outside of the podcast, like Instagram at Afternoon of Delight Podcast, where you'll find book recs, more K-drama love for shows that might not make it onto the pod, our favorite clips from current episodes, and generally shameless fangirling. Want to see us embarrass our offspring with cringeworthy but amazing skits on TikTok? We've got you covered. Just find us again at Afternoon of Delight Podcast on TikTok. And if you want to talk to us about anything you heard on the show, drop us an email at afternoonadelightpodcast at gmail.com. We love interacting with our listeners and making sure that we're giving you the content that you're looking for. But now it's time to get to it. Our favorite episode 11s and why we think these are such pivotal moments in the dramas that we love. Okay. So I told y'all I would talk about it until the day that I die and I'm going to talk about it right now. <laughs> and it is The King Eternal Monarch. And I've talked about episode 11 before. So if you've listened to our endings that we would rewrite, this will not be a spoiler for you because I talked in detail about this episode and why this episode contributed to an ending that I did not like in The King Eternal Monarch, even though on the whole, I did love the drama. And a lot of people are split on this drama. So anyway, here we go. So if you don't know about this drama, it is a romance and a thriller and it takes place across the multiverse. We've got Lee Min Ho as our King Lee Gon, who is the King of Korea with a C. And then we've got Kim Go Un as Tae Ol, who is a police detective in what we know as our world's South Korea. And so we've got this, you know, romance happening across universes. And episode 11 is where a big pivotal scene takes place. So here we go. I would say that this episode deals with the romance of the story, and it is a big spoiler, I would say, for the ending of the drama. So if you have not watched the drama, maybe this is where you want to fast forward. (laughs) The reason why this scene is so pivotal is because it promises something that it doesn't deliver, but it still is one of the most epic scenes I've ever seen, and I will love it forever. So what happens? In this scene, it is very close to the end of episode 11 of The King Eternal Monarch, Our heroine, Tail, has been kidnapped and brought to Korea with a C's universe. She's been kidnapped and brought to that universe. And she escapes her kidnappers, but has been drugged, has been hurt, has been almost killed, almost been killed by a white truck of death, and is basically stumbling through the streets of Busan when she sees helicopters overhead and then sees 
horses galloping through the streets because Ligon, our king, has found out that she is there, that she is in danger, and he is going to rescue her on his white horse Maximus and his whole security detail riding horses along with him. And in this epic ride and this stunningly shot scene, like the cinematography is unparalleled, I will say. And maybe it's paralleled in another universe. I don't know. Bad dad joke, Amy. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So Ligon is riding with his security detail on their horses and they are slashing at the baddies with swords. And it is just amazing, romantic, bloody, fantastic. And he calls out to his men, protect her at all costs. She is the future queen of Korea. And then he hops off his horse, slashes more baddies, gets to Taeol basically just before she passes out because she is on her last legs. And it's an amazing, amazing end of an episode. So the reason why it's a pivotal beat is because it shows you the lengths that Lee Gon will go to to protect his woman. And it shows you how true this love is between two people across universes that should be impossible. And it promises something very, very big for the viewer. Mm-hmm. And what does not happen, here is our spoiler. So pause it, <laughs> fast forward it, whatever you got to do, because I'm going to say it and we'll talk about the ending. What doesn't happen and what should have happened because of this pivotal beat is that she does not become the future queen of Korea. They live in their separate universes and they connect on weekends for like little weekend getaways to other parallel universes, which is adorable and sweet. And they live their lives this way, but it's not what we were promised and I'll never be over it. Still, does it live rent free in my mind forever and ever? Absolutely. Cause it is one of the most stunning scenes I've ever seen. And it is one of the biggest reasons why Lee Min Ho is my bae. So there you go. The King Eternal Monarch. Episode 11, one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a K-drama. As I said, that might be one of the scenes that that blows the budget. 100%. For that drama. And I will say, too, with that scene, it was pivotal, too, because that was kind of the first time he publicly acknowledged that he had... There was somebody... People were trying to connect him with the prime minister. Right. She was trying to connect herself with him. So, yeah, everybody wanted him to find a queen. Yeah. The whole thing was monumental. You felt like there was going to be a pivotal shift. And there was after that scene. That's when I think she, you know, became a little bit more comfortable in his castle or... (laughs) palace or whatever it was you know what i mean i mean he makes her rice the next day like he mixes rice in his navy uniform for her the next day i was gonna say isn't it that scene where he like he does the whole oh my god i agree i mean i think about that scene all the time when anyone mentions the king i just eternal monarch that's the scene i think of and i'll that's the scene i'll always think of we do we've talked about this before that we do think that the writers maybe got a little bit ahead of themselves in what they were thinking of promising and then decided to go a different direction Mm -hmm. and it is i mean it happens like i've written stuff into a book and then gotten to the end of the book and be like oh, I never mentioned that thing again that I was like so into 50 pages ago or something Mm -hmm. like that. So Mm -hmm. it happens and I understand it. I don't forgive it, but I understand it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I am going to talk about Healer, which is one of my absolute favorite dramas, okay? And episode 11 has, so it's not one of the, because Healer's full of action, okay? It's kind of, it's a hard driving plot. There's always stuff going on. But what happened in episode 11, why it's so important is to the romance of the drama. So to give a little background on Healer, Healer is a knight errand boy who parkours on rooftops. And he is hired by the heroine's uncle the uncle is trying to find the real daughter or the birth daughter of his sister-in-law which happens to be shay young shin the heroine so without getting too much into the plot basically turns out healer when he was a kid played with shay young shin so they've known each other their fathers were friends all of that so in the drama he's trying to stay undercover as healer he does not want shay young shin to know he's healer one of the main reasons is he's trying to protect her so he has committed a few you know little little crimes here and there and just a little tiny and so he doesn't want to implicate her by showing her his face she knows him as the the bumbling intern at her newspaper bong su and bong su and he's just oh god he's so precious because he's just he's like this tough badass fighting you know knight errand boy at night and then during the day he's this like fumbling like silly bong su but anyway, so he can't show her his face, but she writes Healer an email basically saying, like, I want to meet you and I'll cover my eyes if I have to, but I want I want to meet you because they've had they had a lot of clandestine meetings at this point. And so he tells her basically that he'll meet her at 
the movie theater. And so the movie date of episode 11 of Healer is amazing. It is, I wish Leah was here too to talk about it because I I think I remember she, she swooned. said she was like, yeah, she swooned. She like, she like had to use her fainting couch <laughs> during this, during this scene because it's just so romantic and is also super pivotal for the romance so she goes to the movie theater and he has everything planned he has this little bear for her to hug so it's an empty movie theater by the way so she walks in she has this bear to hug and she even chooses the movie but she can't see him but he says like i'm behind you just don't turn around and she doesn't she doesn't because she knows that if she turns around you know he'll disappear yeah he'll melt but he'll disappear yeah Yeah, he'll he'll, he won't yeah (laughs) So, I'm kidding. But anyway, so, but he is in the back of the theater watching her and he's wa- he's not watching the movie at all. He's watching her. He's watching her face as she laughs, as she's hugging this bear that he got her. And when the movie's over, you can tell she's, she's really sad because yeah, it was a date and it was beautiful and romantic because it was, but she still didn't get to see him. So she gets up and you can tell she's, she's happy, but also sad. And she leaves the theater and right as she takes a step out, He grabs her hand. He's hiding behind the wall as she's walking out of the theater. So that's the, she doesn't turn and look at him, but they just hold hands. And it is. I'm dying right now. You saying this like (laughs) dying. I know it's just hand holding, but it is never has a drama made hand holding that intense. And they just stand there like that. And then eventually he has, to, he has to walk away and she still not, has never seen him. And at this point, he knows who she is. He knows that, you know, she's... She's who he was hired to find. Yeah. Yeah, he knows. And he also knows that he knew her as a kid. He knows that he has connections to her. I mean, he played with her as a child. She means so much to him. I mean, he's in love with her at this point. Like, clearly in love with her. And he confessed oh gosh, to her as Bong Su, but she said no because her heart belongs to healer oh the same person. and it's just that movie date is just extremely important it's when they finally connect and it is it's beautiful and it's just an epic scene it's a whole thing i mean i don't know who's seen healer and doesn't talk about the movie date scene because it's just everything so yeah i mean it lives rent free in our minds because 100%. we can't stop thinking about the hand-holding and you want to know what's funny is I was looking up episode 11s this week, you know, getting ready for this and and seeing because some of them I knew, like obviously like I've talked about episode 11 of King so many times that y'all want me to shut up. But I looked up Healer because I wasn't sure. And in my head, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be the elevator save scene. That's what I thought it would be. Uh, okay. And then, when I, and then when I saw it was the movie date scene, I was like, oh, that's even better. Yeah. Because it is a huge shift. It uh-huh. is when you know as mm-hmm. the viewer that he is as in love with her as she is with him. Mm-hmm. Even though she doesn't know him and he knows everything about her. Oh, it's so freaking Oh, good. I want to so, go rewatch it. I right know. I, I, I'm, I'm due for a healer rewatch soon. Oof. All right. So next I'm going to talk about Flower of Evil. And I mentioned this in our Flower of Evil podcast, which was our last one. Sorry, that was two podcasts ago, Flower of Evil. And honestly, there's no way to talk about Flower of Evil without spoiling it. So I'll give you like a little snippet of like what is the movie trailer version of the drama. And then if you haven't watched it, I would skip ahead to the next one because I really don't want to spoil this for you because this is probably in my top three dramas. This is something that really hit me hard in the emotions and one of my favorite dramas and Lee Joon-gi, like one of my favorite actors ever, ever, ever in my life. Mm -hmm. So the premise, which is not a spoiler, the premise of Flower of Evil is that we have this happily married couple and our heroine is a police detective and our hero is a metal worker, okay? And they seem to have this perfectly idyllic life. They have a beautiful little daughter and there's this loving couple and it's wonderful and everything's perfect and why do we even need a drama? The reason why <laughs> <laughs> And the reason why we need a drama is because the wife starts investigating this years old murder that involved a teenager, Do Hyun Soo, who has been missing for 14 years. And Do Hyun Soo was the son of a serial killer who is now dead and believed to have committed suicide. And that we can talk. I can't believe we didn't mention the suicide. I know. <laughs> Someday we'll have to go back to like totally implausible things 
in K-dramas, but I won't, I won't get into that right now, but I'm just realizing now, oh my gosh, we didn't talk about the suicide. So anyway, Do Hyun-soo's father is dead, but Do Hyun-soo has been missing for 14 years. And as Becky Sung, that's Lee Joon-gi's character, as his wife starts investigating this years old murder and this missing serial killer, she realizes it might be him. So that's the premise of the drama. Okay. Now, fast forward. If you haven't seen this drama and don't want this scene spoiled because it is a very pivotal scene and there are major spoilers in it. Okay, so here we go, folks. Episode 11. Our heroine, Cha Ji Wan, played by the amazing Moon Che Wan, has tracked her husband to a meeting with a human trafficker. And she knows at this point that he is Do Hyun Soo, the missing son of the serial killer for 14 years. And then he's been living as Becky Sung, a different name, a different identity for all these years that she's known him. She does not know whether or not he is guilty of murder, but she does know that he is the man that her department is looking for. And she finds him in this office of this human trafficker handcuffed to a door and the human trafficker is about to set the room on fire and kill him. And she saves him. And then he goes right back and saves her because as soon as she saves him, the human trafficker grabs her and tries to choke her. And then he almost kills the human trafficker. And she stops him from killing the human trafficker and then says to him, you need to leave. You need to run. You need to get as far away from here as possible. Everyone is looking for you. They know who you are. You need to go. And he's like, you know? And she's like, yes, I know. I know everything. And instead of handcuffing him and taking him in, she lets him escape. And he drives away. And you see him speeding away, but then he's like unraveling. And up until now, by the way, Lee Jung-gi's character has let us know that he is believed to be a psychopath. He does not emote. He cannot feel love. He studies facial expression so he knows how to fake it. And you see him speeding away, and all of a sudden he comes to a sudden stop on the street, and he's trying to call her because he wants to hear her voice. He wants to talk to her, and she's not answering. And he's losing it. He's crying. I talked about this in the Flower Field podcast. He's crying. And then I start crying because seeing Lee Jung-gi emote is like something I never expected. I react viscerally. And it's pretty much akin to like when Gong Yu emotes, like I can't not cry. Or when Kim Soo Hyun, like there are certain people who when they emote on screen, I just lose my shit. And Lee Jung-gi is one of them. So he's crying. She's not answering. This taxi pulls in front of his car, comes to a sudden stop, and she hops out of the taxi She's crying. He gets out of the car. He's crying. He (laughs) apologizes to her for hurting her. They have this like ridiculous embrace. And he says that he doesn't want to run. He just wants to go home. And she takes him home. And they have this amazing, tearful kiss with them both knowing the truth for the first time. And is this a pivotal moment in the drama? Fuck yeah. Probably the biggest. It's the biggest. biggest. It is the first time they both know essentially like when the truth it's like the release of a pressure valve now the truth's out there's no secrets there's no secrets and she still loves him yeah she still loves him and that i mean the love story of this drama was something i was not expecting at all me too so yeah was this a pivotal moment yes one of the biggest Mm -hmm. does it live rent free in my mind yeah because this is this is almost overshadowing the king eternal monarch one because I, i can't stop talking about this like i was literally like crawling out of my skin waiting for the flower of evil episode so that we could talk about this scene. And it is one of my absolute favorite scenes. And it is that pivotal moment in the drama where, you know, these two people, even, you know, so Becky Sung is Do Hyun Soo. He doesn't think that he can feel love, but you know, as the viewer that he loves his wife and you know, she loves him and you know that they are a team from this point out, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's such a great scene. It is. I mean, so speaking of Lee Joon-gi, I'm going to go right into talking about Lawless Lawyer because Lee Joon-gi plays Bong Sang-pil, who is the lead in Lawless Lawyer. And I can't talk about this without spoilers. So yeah, I'm getting right into it. But basically... So uh, look, look away, viewers. Yeah, Listen look away, away whatever. Whatever you're going to do. It's a great yeah. drama. And in honesty, when I looked up what I was just curious, I'm like, what's the 11th episode of this? I looked it up and I actually gasped because it's a very important scene. So let me explain first. Bong Sang-pil is a lawyer. He returns to his hometown after like 18, 19 years or something to avenge the death of his mother. You know right away who killed his mother. It was on Oju, who's kind of like a gangster, I would say. And he killed her on the direction of Cha Moon-suk, who is 
at the time, an up-and-coming judge. By the time Bong Sang-pil returns, she is extremely powerful in the city. So Anoju is now the mayor. I mean, he's essentially a gangster who, because of Cha Moon Suk, because he did her bidding, he killed people she wanted him to kill. He did all kinds of dirty work for her. So she has given, she's rewarded him with the mayorship. So there are many times in the drama that she refers to him as her dog. So she's saying, you're my dog. You don't bite unless I tell you to. Like, again, he very much, he works for her. So setting up episode 11, Bong Sang-pil is on trial for the murder of his uncle that he's been set up for. He did not kill his uncle, but he's been set up for it. And he's on the stand and they aren't quite sure how to get him off because the judge is Cha Moon-suk and she is dirty, dirty, dirty. But she has been losing the grip on her dog, which is Ano Ju. So Bong Sang-pile is sitting as a defendant. It's not looking great. And beginning of episode 11, the courtroom doors open very dramatically. Double doors. Yeah, double doors. So dramatic. And An Oju strolls in to be a witness for Bong Sang-pile. So let me explain. Like the whole drama, Bong Sang-pile and An Oju have been at odds because An Oju killed his mom. <laughs> Bong Sang-pile knows. But An Oju has decided to break free of his quote unquote master. And he's angry with her. And for reasons you have to watch the drama. And so it's a huge huge moment in the drama that An Hoju has decided to break free of her and it's also a huge deal that he's trying to get Bong Sang Pile off of the murder charge I mean they'd been wanting to kill each other for you know almost the entire drama but episode 11 everything turns on its head all these character motivations shift and it is I mean, I can picture that scene in my head all the time. Just those double doors opening. And I mean, you have to see the drama too. Anoju had been beaten pretty badly, like beaten up before this. So he's like all bruised. He's got like his arm in a sling, but he's that type of villain that he has so much pride. It doesn't matter. He's still holding his chin high and facing off against Cha Moon Suk. I mean, her. it's great because they show her face. And of course, she's furious. Bong Sang Pillay's surprise, but Anoju's going to go in there and he's going to do what he does, which is piss a lot of people off. And it's fan fantastic great 11th episode just fantastic so if you're still listening (laughs) and you haven't seen lawless lawyer yet, i know i highly recommend it we are going to be doing a deep dive leah is watching it right now it's so good it was one of like i had to go watch this drama as soon as i finished flower of evil because i needed to see lee jung gi in another role so that i could get over him (laughs) Because it was driving me crazy. And I needed it. I needed him in three-piece tailored suits throughout the entire drama. Mm-hmm. Kicking mother effing ass mm-hmm. in his tailored suits. And mm-hmm. just, yeah. But still, like, emoting like mm-hmm. no other. Like, Lee Jun gi emoting. Like I said, I have a visceral reaction to it. Oh, I mean, he's really fantastic. And I mentioned on Oju in our Favorite Villains episode. Still one of my top villains. He is just so, so good. I loved that we had done the villains episode before because I was so excited to see him and his mm-hmm. toe socks. <laughs> I hate him. I hate his toe socks so much. So the next drama we're going to talk about is when the camellia blooms. And again, when we found out, when we looked it up and found out what the 11th episode was, we all like, screamed. I knew when we watched it, I think it was when, oh. when we watched it and it was before you had watched it. And so okay. when Leah was like, just let me know when you get to episode 11. Right. And then I watched episode 11 and I was like, Holy shit, that like proves my theory. Like that's another one that proves my theory. So if you listen to our When the Camellia Blooms deep dive, you know about this. But if not, and you've seen it, you got to listen to our deep dive. It's it's a good one. And this won't spoil the whole drama for you by any means. So this is one that you could listen to, but it will spoil, I would think, like the impact of this scene. I don't know. know, I I know, seriously, like I could watch it right now and still like, like my panties would like explode. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot going on in this drama, but to describe the scene, I don't really have to get into it. It's a small town romance or small town drama with a serial killer plot line, but I don't have to talk about the serial killer in any way to explain this, this scene. So basically Dong Bake is the heroine. She is a single mom to Pilgu. Okay. And Pilgu is playing baseball in this scene. All right. And a local police officer named Young Sik has been courting her. And Young Sik is amazing. You just have to watch the drama to understand. Young Sik, played by Kang Han Newell, is just everything. Okay? 
you just got to trust us on this. So anyway, Pilgu is playing baseball. The coach of the other team doesn't like what Pilgu's doing. I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. He kind of gets into a little tiff with the other coach and the other coach. And he's accusing Pilgu of something. Like he's a, he's accusing oh, him. It. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but he's accusing him of something. Uh, yeah. Because the accusation is important. But what happens next? Yeah. But they're being nasty, you know, and Dong Bake sitting in the stands. Again, she is a single mom. So she's been dealing. Every time there's an issue with her child, it's her. Every conflict, she's the one who has to deal with it. And that's exhausting. Like if you're a parent, you know, dealing with conflicts with your kid is exhausting. And if you're the only one who does it with no help over and over again, that's tiring. Plus, she is a bar owner. And so a lot of the local men don't treat her that the well. women don't either. For- and I think it's also important to point out that Pilgu's birth father is at this incident and he does nothing. Uh, because he's a famous baseball player yeah, who doesn't he- want to deal with the publicity. Right. So he's sitting in the stands doing nothing, even though he's seeing this conflict going on. And Dong Bake knows, I have to do something. But she's dreading it because she knows it's not going to go well. So she stands up. And she walks down, but before she can get to the home plate, which is where this all is going, the camera pans <laughs> like slow mo to Young Sick striding across the outfield, wearing, I mean, he's wearing like track pants and a t shirt, okay? Full tracksuit, aviators, which aviators make any outfit, okay? And he's holding a drone. Because he had been flying this drone around. You'd previously seen it. And you just didn't know who was who was flying it around. It was Young Sick. And he strides across the outfield. Hold. It's like a slow-mo scene. He's got confidence all over his face. Because he has proof that Pilgu didn't do what the coach was accusing him of doing. He's got proof in the drone. He strides up to home plate. He said, I have proof. Don't ever mess with this kid again, or you'll have to deal with me. So we talked about this in our deep dive, but the scene had big drone energy written. The best phrase ever. Best phrase ever. And you coined it, energy. So go you. You know, the thing about this scene is it's not only amazing. Like, it's hard to explain. Like, you're probably thinking, okay, so he, like, walks across the baseball field holding a drone with a tracksuit on. But you have to watch it to understand. You do. The music with it even, like, the mu- like the badass music with it, like, oh. the OST. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. And it's available on YouTube. Like, just Google, like, the drone. It's called Young Sick is the Best yeah. Dad Ever. <laughs> Like, if you find it on YouTube, that's what the clip is called, and I love it. And it's amazing for several reasons. First of all, Pilgu never had a dad. His dad was never in his life. And so there's a lot in the drama where he he acts like he doesn't want a father figure, but you know he also kind of does. And so there's kind of this push-pull there for Pilgu. There's Dong Bake, who is used to dealing with literally everything herself, and she finally gets a break, and someone takes care of a conflict for her. And then there's Young Sick, just himself, like, stepping up to be, you know, a mentor, a role model, just sticking up for this kid. There's just so many underlying emotions to this scene that make it, you know, amazing. And so not only is it so much fun, and it, you're going to be, like, cheering for Young Sick in the scene, while he's holding his drone so not only are you gonna want to like just jump him in his tracksuit and his aviators but it's emotionally pivotal as well because that's when pilgu finally starts warming because pilgu had not been like happy about this whole young sick trying to date his mom thing so that really was a shift in his relationship with pilgu and it was a shift in his relationship with dong bake as well and i think it was just young sick himself kind of growing up a little bit too like i think that was a really important character arc and redemption for him so just amazing. I still can't believe that that was episode 11 when like just. I know. It's a thing, guys. Seriously, it is. It's a thing. Whether or not you believe it, it's a thing. We're, we're mm-hmm. proving that it is. So really, we've talked about a handful of dramas here. We haven't talked about all of them. And, and I urge you to check your favorite dramas. But really, this is all just to say that we think dramas that have good pacing and hit all the story beats, like we mentioned with Save the Cat, seem to have pivotal moments in the 11th episode. And this, like, this is whether it's a 16-episode drama or a 20-episode drama, because we've seen it in both. So can there still be epic moments in other episodes? Absolutely. No Good Story has only one pivotal moment, but episode 11 seems to be pretty important. So check out, like I said, some of your favorite dramas and let us know, does something fantastic happen at number 11? We bet it does. 
And now we come to our favorite segment of our show, our K-Recommendation of the Week. And because Megan is never short on K-Pop Rex, she's got another great song for you all. Hi, so I am going to recommend Psycho by Red Velvet. And so there's a couple reasons I'm mentioning the song. First of all, it's an amazing song. And Red Velvet themselves have a lot of ties to K-dramas. So Joy of Red Velvet was the lead in Tempted or The Great Seducer, opposite Wu Do Wan. And Red Velvet also performed in Descendants of the Sun. So the group that plays in that drama that the hero like is a fan of or whatever. Yeah, that's Red Velvet. So they're very, very famous in South Korea. And this song was a huge hit. But shortly after it came out, Wendy, one of the women of Red Velvet, fell and really badly backstage and broke off like some bones in her face. And it was really, really bad. So she's since recovered, but it took a really long time. And so this song wasn't promoted as well as some of their other songs. And it's a shame because it's truly, truly a really good good song there's kind of this recurring line that says hey now we're gonna be okay and it's just it seems kind of weird the title but i swear it's a great song i hope you guys check it out so that's psycho by red velvet so before we close things out i wanted to touch on a couple of things the first two dramas that i watched were crash landing on you and goblin and megan i know crash landing was your first was goblin your second as well yeah i think so Okay, so we're in the same mm-hmm. we're in the same place here. And I think the same goes for Leah too, but she can't she's not here to confirm or deny it. So I'll just say yes. It was the first two for all three of us. And my episode eleven theory hadn't set in yet because I was just getting my feet wet. So I decided to go back to two of my faves. Okay, Goblin is still my ultimate fave. And see if the theory held true. So I want to give a shout out to Drama Beans for this because I went to the Drama Beans recaps, which mm-hmm. are fantastic because it's been so long since I've watched either of these. So there's no way I'm going to remember what happens in episode 11. And so I read the recaps on Drama Beans. So first, let's start with Crash Landing on You. And I'm just going to dive right in because I feel like at this point, most of us who are K-Drama fans know Crash Landing on You and know what it's about. So if you don't you know, skip ahead to you know what we're watching next and don't listen to this in Goblin because I'm not going to give much about it. I just want to get right into the episode 11 because we've talked about this on our Crash Landing on You podcast anyway. So Crash Landing on You, episode 11 is when Captain Ree shows up in Seoul after his 20-hour tunnel of love crawl and finds Suri on the sidewalk not far from her apartment. Additionally, when Jong Hyuk goes missing from North Korea, his father sends his adorable soldier Hyungs after him. So they show up in South Korea too. So that's part of the B plot that's going on here. We also have the Captain remake over montage in Seoul and the parking garage scene where we realize that our villain, Chol Gang, has found his target, Yoon Suri. So these are all the different things that happened in episode 11. Up until now, we had the first half of the drama took place in North Korea when Suri was trapped there after, you know, after she paraglided into a tornado, <laughs> as one does. <laughs> And survives. And so now we're in South Korea and the second half of the story takes place in South Korea. So does this episode 11 pass the test? And I'm going to say yes. While it's not visually epic to me, like Captain Rhee on the motorcycle, it's a pivotal shift in the narrative where we learn that the danger that Yoon Suri thinks that she escaped by getting back to South Korea from North Korea and the lost love that she mourns have followed her home. And so we know that the story is not over. Like it seems like it could, you know, resolve itself by then, but it doesn't. And I think it's important to note this shift in the story and that everything that she was trying to escape when she was trapped in North Korea is now basically back to finish her off in South Korea. Yeah. And I mean, it's basically to the shift just from locations, like everything. And and they're not split anymore, obviously, but that didn't last long with them split, but they're quickly reunited. And now essentially the second half, I guess, or last third of the drama starts and with a different setting, which is really interesting. Where they're staying under the same roof, but in different Mm -hmm. bedrooms. Yeah. That's a little quibble for another time. All right. So how about Goblin? So episode 11 of Goblin. If you don't know Goblin, shift ahead. But I think most of us at this point are pretty familiar with our 900 plus year old immortal in love with the Goblin's bride who is only 19 (laughs) years old at this point. All right. So Kim Shin in episode 11 has just realized that Sonny is the reincarnation of his sister, Kim Sun, who was murdered 
by her husband and king, Wang Yo. Sunny thinks he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when he hugs her and calls her Sana, and when he brings her son's favorite <laughs> shoes and fruit. Yet somehow, she knows something is up, especially in her continued encounters with Reaper, who has, you know, told her that his name is Kim Ubin, who is still trying to figure out how the jade ring connects them. In a pivotal scene in Sunny's chicken shop, she senses his invisible presence because when he's wearing his fedora, and if you're not sure what a fedora is, check out our TikTok so you can <laughs> see Megan and one. So he's wearing, when he has his fedora on, he's invisible. But she senses his presence and knocks his fedora off with a cherry blossom branch, forcing him to admit that he's a Grim Reaper. What else happens? Well, Reaper receives a card indicating Untak's upcoming death, and Kim Shin is forced to tell her that she will die if she doesn't pull the invisible sword out of his chest that only she can see. Then the drama shifts to some lovely romantic comedy when Kim Shin can't stop following her around to make sure she's safe, and Untak abuses her summoning power to summon our beautiful goblin for trivial yet uber-romantic reasons. Finally, this episode ends with our undead Goryeo villain Park Jung-hyun showing his creepy face and purple tongue. Does this episode 11 pass the test? Definitely all caps. Okay. Again, not visually stunning. Like when Untak almost pulls out the sword the first time and Kim Shin almost kills her because it's his basically knee-jerk reaction. Like, oops, I don't want to die now. But it's a pivotal moment for Sunny and Reaper as their connection gets more and more apparent. It's pivotal in that Untak now knows death is coming for her. And the audience learns that an almost thousand-year-old villain never truly died and is back to finish what he started. Yeah, I would say the villain reappearance is probably the biggest thing that I would say to like change the plot yes. you know what i mean that villain reappearing is huge and creepy yeah. oh my god he's so creepy up until that episode i really thought the only conflict was that only one of them could live you know right. like the whole sad love part of it mm -hmm. but now we actually have a villain who he was the king's right hand man in kim shin's mortal life right yeah and he is the you know he is the one who poisoned the king's mind to banish Kim Shin or kill Kim Shin. And so the fact that he is back totally like changes the whole trajectory of the drama. Mm -hmm. And it was really exciting and creepy and awesome. And I loved it. So yeah, my two originals, our two originals, stand up to the episode 11 test, I would say. Pass the test. So Leah may be absent, but she does get an honorable mention. So here is what she has to say about Reply 1994. So this is Leah talking through me. <laughs> Like literally in our Slack chat, yeah, like we just yeah. copied and pasted. Yeah. Okay. So I looked and Reply 1994 has a very pivotal moment in episode 11. It's a love triangle drama. And in 11, the second suitor finally steps up and confronts the first suitor and says, I'm going to get the girl no matter what. I'm in it to win it. And it's all backdrop against a game of catch where they are throwing baseball back and forth. The first love suitor acknowledges that he finally realizes he has feelings for the heroine because of the second suitor. And the second suitor basically says, hey, I'm playing the long game and I'm going to get the girl. Leah says it's super intense and bonus points for you Yun Suk fans. This is one moment in Reply 1994 where he breaks out of the beta and you see the Gu Dong Mei, Yu Yun Suk's character in Mr. Sunshine that lives inside. I love that. I love Thank that. Thank you, so far, Yeah, so far I only know Yu Yun Suk from Hospital Playlist, and he is the beta is to beta to ever beta. So I can't wait to watch Mr. Sunshine. I know, and me too. Get acquainted with Gudong Mei. So this week, we are going to not give you all a book rec because really there's no way to recommend a book with a pivotal scene without spoiling the book because pivotal scenes spoil stories. And we just spoiled a whole bunch of dramas for you. We're not going to do that with books too, but I would ask if anybody out there has a book where you're like, this hits all the marks, mm -hmm. like all the beats. If you're getting into the beats with us, mm -hmm. let us know. And maybe it'll, we'll add it to our, you know, to be read list. Yeah. Or like a fantastic climax or just a really amazing scene. Let us know. Yeah. So what are we watching? So I'm still on my roommate is a Gumio. Still enjoying it. Again, I'm just really slow in the summer. As soon as the kids go back to school, I'm going to start binging again. You just wait. <laughs> I'm going to be like so mad at you. I know. I know. <laughs> when you get back to your old ways, because I, I feel like I'm busier in the summer than I was during the school year, which makes no sense. Because once the school mm -hmm. year starts, I'm going to be like totally at a loss. Because I am, I finally, like I've been talking about it for weeks and I'm going to start it. And I finally started Zombie Detective. Ah, uh, so fun. With Choi Jin-hyuk. And oh my God, I love it. It's mm -hmm. hilarious. It's... Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. Because like, it's I ridiculous, laugh. but it's it also is. really good. Like, usually when you watch something with zombies, like a zombie right. movie, like Train to Busan, it is zombies and they're everywhere, right? Yeah. And Zombie Detective, he's like the only one and he doesn't know why he was reborn as a zombie. He doesn't want to be a zombie. Mm. He can think intelligently mm-hmm. and he trains himself to act like a human and then uses makeup to look like a human, gets mistaken for a private eye. And now all of a sudden he's working as a private eye. Yeah. It's and he's a freaking zombie. So and he's wearing like BB monster cream on his face to cover up his like so zombie funny. eyes. Yes, it's so so funny. So I'm so great. thoroughly enjoying it. And there's there's some good mystery to it as mm-hmm. well, right? Because you don't know why he's a zombie, and he doesn't know either. Like he doesn't know who he was before, so he doesn't know if he mm-hmm. was a good guy or a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And there's some hinting that he could be connected to these like awful like child murders. That right? Are there's like a serial killer again. You know, we love our serial killer dramas, yeah. but yeah, there's a serial killer backdrop, and you, like I'm pretty sure it's related like that's obviously where yes. we're going with this but which is a cool mystery and are you still watching yeah. this one too did you finish it i didn't finish it i'm okay. like i'm doing i'm doing both no You're double so, fisting. okay yeah but i because it's just it's really fun it's fun and yes. light and i'm enjoying it i'm gonna go watch them tonight i think sometime we need to maybe like have a have a podcast about bad serial killer names because we had joker in one oh, of the this one is santa santa <laughs> so bad i'm like why and then, he wears a santa suit like, like there's I been know. a little bit of flashback where you oh, see God. this guy in a santa yeah it's I know. so terrible like seriously i know i hate it so much and what are we talking about next i'm so excited i know so speaking of on oju that we mentioned we're doing lawless lawyer next week and i seriously cannot wait there's so much goodness in this drama and really you know there's so much characterization that i can't wait to like sink our teeth into it's going to be really good i'm excited we're going to talk more about lee jun gi our favorite so yeah. I'm a little nervous that we're going to have some dissenting in the ranks. Next yeah, you week. think you think Leah's not going to like it? I don't think she's going to love it as much as we uh, I, I hope she proves okay. us wrong, but like she she already yeah. didn't love the opening scene. I know, so. god. I know she's she's like car chases do nothing for me. I'm like, well, I mean <laughs> it's, n- it's not as fast and furious as she claims, but it's I, not. I liked it. I liked it. So. I think once the drama really gets into the like solid revenge plot, I think she'll be into it. I think I th- and I don't know. I don't know if she's going to... I think you, you also really have to like appreciate on Oju as a villain. I truly believe you yes. have to. I Agreed. feel like you have to have conflicting feelings about him in order to like really... You know what I mean? Because he's so yes. bad, but he's so good at being bad. Right. <sighs> like I've mentioned this before, and I, I will say it's like the one thing that I didn't enjoy about Flower of Evil, but not at all that it detracted from the drama, is the whole like, you know, adding in the gangsters and the gangsters being like almost caricatures. Yeah, you know, like like oh, the totally. human trafficker in you know in Flower of Evil, but Anoju is not a caricature. Oh, he's so good. He has depth, Ugh. and I mean, there are some times where you root for him. Mm-hmm. And, you do. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. So if I think if she, well, we'll see. We'll talk next week, guys. I yeah. don't know. Let us I'm know what you think. We think Leah's going to get into it with us, but we'll we see. hope so. We hope so. Yeah. Oh my gosh, because Lee Junki. But yeah, so we'll oh. all be back together next week. Thank yeah. you for hanging with us today, and we will mm-hmm. see you next time. Annyeong. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong! Annyeong!